The sighting of Patty, as she would later be known, at Bluff Creek in California is one of the most famous reels in film history. Before the Patterson-Gimlin film, named after its makers, the Sasquatch was a local Northwest legend. After, Bigfoot became an international celebrity. Hi, everybody. My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States. Through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hey, hey. In that introduction, you heard a brief talk from OPB in a film called The Film That Made Bigfoot a Star. What's interesting about that clip is that it shows not only the first footage of Bigfoot, but also you get a chance to hear from some of the specialists, some of the scientists about Bigfoot and whether they really think there's any value to the videos that have been posted. I'll add the video clip to the transcript if you would like to take a look at that. In this episode, we'll talk about how Bigfoot went from being a small town legend in Northern California to an international icon. But before we do that, let's do a joke, an expression, and some pronunciation exercises. So let's start with that joke. Why do cows have hooves instead of feet? Any ideas? (laughs) Because they lactose. I actually think this one is funny. Because they lactose. Sounds like lactose. Right, They have hooves. Hooves are those hard feet that uh, horses have, that pigs have, that cows have. They don't have toes. They have hooves, right? One hoof is for one foot, and hooves is the plural. Because they're cows, of course, they have lactose inside of them also. All right, so the expression of the day is to have foot-in-mouth disease. Let's go through each individual word first. So to have means to possess, own, or hold. Foot, foot is uh, the lower extremity of a person's body that they stand on or walk on. Each foot has five toes. And of course, the plural of foot is feet. In, in is a preposition that indicates one thing is enclosed or surrounded by something else. A mouth is a hole in the lower section of a face. Uh, The mouth is made up of lips, a tongue, and teeth. And it's also the opening for which speech exits and food enters. Um, Disease is synonymous with illness or sickness, and that produces particular symptoms. Now the expression foot and mouth disease is uh, pretty interesting. It's it's fairly common in American English. Everybody knows someone that doesn't have a filter, right? You know that one friend or family member that says everything that passes through their mind without considering the consequences of their words. Yes, in English, we say that these types of people have foot-in-mouth disease, a consistent habit of saying things at the wrong place and time. So oftentimes people with foot and mouth disease make inappropriate statements that can offend or embarrass other people, right? So it's not really a contagious disease. It's just something, it's just a habit that someone has. 
Let's go through a few uncomfortable stories <laughs> to make sense of this expression. Example number one, a friend of mine is a genuinely very, very nice person and likes to talk to everyone. The thing is, he doesn't think before he speaks. People often joke that he has foot in mouth disease. One time he was in Hawaii uh, with another friend of mine and a very dark skinned Hawaiian walked by. So if you know Hawaiians, native Hawaiians uh, have Polynesian descent and they tend to be very tan. So not thinking, he commented to this dark skinned Hawaiian, you better get out of the sun or you'll get burned, right? This is not a very appropriate joke to make to someone that you don't know. Um, naturally, this Hawaiian man thought he was being racist and tried to fight him. So the other friend tried to calm the man down saying, hey, I'm sorry, he didn't mean anything by it. He just has foot and mouth disease. And um, eventually the situation calmed down. So example number two, the other day I was at my mom's group, right? That group I mentioned before where there's a bunch of women who get together and talk about the successes and difficulties of being a new mom. And there was a woman there who had had a baby three weeks before, and he was so teeny tiny, she could cup one hand underneath him and rest him on her chest. But she told the group that she had been having a hard time breastfeeding and that he spit up every time he nursed, right? To spit up is a common way to say that a baby vomits. So in my head, I thought, oh, that must be horrible, not knowing if your baby is getting enough nutrition. But after the meetup was over, I had a complete brain fart about the story and started making conversation by saying, oh, your baby's so tiny, right? And so obviously this is not appropriate for someone who's having a difficult time feeding their child. You shouldn't mention that they're tiny. And so she gave me a very dirty look and it wasn't until afterwards that I realized how insensitive my comment was. So I had a momentary case of foot in mouth disease and I wanted to climb under a rock. <laughs> um, pretty horrible. Example number three, my mom jokes that my dad has foot in mouth disease because he insists on telling jokes in inappropriate situations. So I remember this time in high school when a friend's mom came over and my dad began telling her a new joke he had heard about three cross-eyed kids and a cross-eyed judge. So when you're cross-eyed, your eyes look at each other. They point inwards towards one another. My dad imitated the cross-eyed kids and I watched in horror because my friend's mom that he was talking to actually has a lazy eye. And a lazy eye is not exactly a cross eye, but one eye is a little bit slower than the other, right? And they don't always travel parallel. They sometimes go crossed. So very horrible situation to be in. In that moment, I thought, wow, my dad really has foot in mouth disease. Once again, someone who has foot in mouth disease has a habit of speaking without considering the consequences of their words. My uncle always said, Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. So I've always really liked that, that quote. Let's go ahead and do some pronunciation exercises. Repeat after me. He. He has. He has foot and mouth. 
He has foot and mouth disease. He has foot and mouth disease. He has foot and mouth disease. Right in the conjugation, repeat after me. I have foot and mouth disease. You have foot and mouth disease. He has foot and mouth disease. She has foot and mouth disease. It has foot and mouth disease. We have foot and mouth disease. They have foot and mouth disease. Notice how I say foot in, foot in, foot in mouth, foot in mouth disease, right? So I do not pronounce that T at the end of foot, foot. On to the topic of the day. Today we'll be discussing Bigfoot. So when you drive up Highway 101 towards the famed Redwood Grove, which is called the Avenue of the Giants, you'll not only see skyscraping redwood trees that span up to 29 feet in diameter, which is 8.9 meters, but you'll also come across large replicas of Bigfoot. That heavily forested area of Northern California is where our story of Bigfoot begins, Humboldt County to be exact. Let's flash back in time. After World War II, the lumber industry was booming. Lumber is wood that has been cut into planks, usually for building purposes. And when something is booming, it means it's going really well. It's very popular. So the lumber industry was booming. Northern California was the perfect place for the lumber industry, simply because there was a high number of trees, redwood trees, pine trees, fir trees, and many other trees cover the hills and fill the valleys. An earnest man, or a more serious man, named Jerry Crew, or Gerald Crew, was a logger. A logger is someone who cuts down trees for a living. One day, Jerry was working with about 30 other loggers on Bluff Creek Road in Northern California when he noticed footprints near an area he had been bulldozing. He didn't think much of them until he climbed up on top of his tractor and looked down upon them. The footprints were huge, much bigger than the bear prints he usually saw. And the thing is, they looked human-like. Record says they were over 16 inches long and were spaced about 50 inches apart. Whatever creature left them was sure to be big. So Jerry went and told his boss, and other loggers started listening in. Almost all of the men claimed to have seen similar tracks, some by a 450-pound drum of diesel fuel that went missing, and others mentioned that they had seen similar tracks near a 700-pound giant tire that had been thrown into a ditch. So they speculated on what it could be and decided to call this mysterious creature Bigfoot. So as time passed, Bigfoot's name and reputation spread. He became a joke for some, right? Some of these people who played pranks on other workers by making fake or phony footprints in the ground and claiming that they were Bigfoot tracks. Whereas others thought Bigfoot was a threat, a real culprit of local crimes, right? Four dogs went missing. 
Who did it? It must have been Bigfoot. So like the Yeti or abominable snowman in the Himalayas and the so-called Sasquatch in Canada, Bigfoot was a wild man. He or she, you know, most people refer to him as a he. Um, however, there have been cases where they saw sightings of a female Bigfoot. So he or she had a legendary flair and people loved sharing the stories of its whereabouts. So how did Bigfoot go from a small town legend to an international icon? So a journalist, Genzoli, added fuel to the fire by publishing an article about this so-called Bigfoot in September of 1958. So at first he was reluctant to post, but he just went along with it. He talked about Jerry Crew and the footprints he had found and claimed, quote, Maybe we have a relative of the abominable snowman of the Himalayas. The publication was sensational. Locals in Humboldt County ate it up, right? They loved it. They consumed it. They loved hearing news about this large, mysterious, ape-like creature in the woods. He was said to be between 6 to 9 feet in height, so 1.8 to 2.7 meters, with feet up to 24 inches in length, right? That's 60 centimeters and eight inches in width. That's 20 centimeters. In the year after the story was published, Gonzoli received up to 2,500 letters about Bigfoot. However, it wasn't until Patterson and Gimlin, two documentarians, uh, came out with the first film footage in 1967 that knowledge of Bigfoot went global. For a brief instant, they caught the seven-foot, four-inch creature as it walked towards the woods. My guess is you probably have some recollection of this image, where he's frozen and looking like a deer in the headlights, looking very shocked. (laughs) If not, then take a look afterwards. That paused image is actually the icon that we use for most of the Bigfoot images you see today. So when you go up to Northern California and you stop by some souvenir shops, you'll see t-shirts that say winner of hide and seek. And they have that very classic image of Bigfoot on the side of it. I love it. Bigfoot researchers even today claim that the clip is credible. Even the North American Science Institute has concluded that it's genuine. When Jeff Maldrum, the professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State, was asked about the footage, he said, well, you know, it is real. He definitely believes in it and that he urges people to compare that video to what was out in Hollywood at the time. Costumes were not nearly as realistic. He also urges anatomy students to study the musculature in the videos The muscles are all visible. The footprint and the pressure where it was placed, I mean, no one could make a costume that good. Critics, however, claim that it was a hoax and Hollywood was involved in it. Many point fingers at John Chambers, a skilled makeup and costume designer for Lost in Space and the Planet of the Apes, right? Planet of the Apes was being filmed in 1967, the same year that the film footage of Bigfoot was made. So some claim Chambers just used the costume of the ape from Lost in Space and switched the head. Although Chambers claimed he wasn't involved, after his death, a film director who worked with him, John Landis, 
said that Chambers had confessed about his secret workings in the Bigfoot footage as early as 1970. Even after hearing these supposed confessions, many still believe the footage to be true. And the footage brought Patterson onto many talk shows. It made the topic even hotter. It made it global. It became even more popular when the TV show Six Million Dollar Man was aired on TV. So do you believe in Bigfoot? Well, many say you got to see it to believe it. So if you want to see Bigfoot, you're most likely to find him or her in Washington State, which has had, as of May 2019, 2,032 sightings, according to SACB.com, or Northern California, which has a total of 1,697 reported sightings. So before I wrap this up, I wanted to share three more interesting facts about Bigfoot. So number one, Sasquatch and Bigfoot are often used interchangeably as the North American wild man, right? Even though the term Sasquatch came from Canada. So number two, according to the official Star Wars website, during the filming of The Return of the Jedi, Chewbacca was asked to stay near the film crew while in costume. They were on set in the Redwoods in California and were afraid he would be hurt by Bigfoot hunters. <laughs> so funny. Okay, uh, number three, the FBI has had a file on Bigfoot since 1970, according to History.com. That's when Peter Byrne, the director of the Bigfoot Information Center, submitted 15 hairs attached to a piece of skin and sent them to the FBI for analysis. The FBI actually analyzed them and determined that they were from a deer. <laughs> the funny part is that Bigfoot does have a record at the FBI. <laughs> okay, so that's it for today. Um, in order to make this ep episode happen, I needed to pull information from a ton of different sources. So if you are interested in this topic, if you're also interested in the transcript, then please go to the website at AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. And you can access the, the transcript, the MP3, and also you'll have a listening comprehension quiz and some conversation questions. So check that out. And also, if you have any family members or friends who might be interested in this podcast, please let them know. I'd love to get the word out. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon. So I wanted to add one extra little note here. According to a lot of the different specialists on Bigfoot, many of them actually believe that Bigfoot is a species. It's not just one individual creature wandering through the woods. It's families of them. There's women, there's children, there are, um, there's grown men. And so they vary in size. So when you hear the different feet sizes and heights, that's completely normal to the specialists. So just wanted to point that out. So hope you enjoyed. Bye.